Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast here on Hawk Fanatic. I am Rob Howe, your host. It is Tuesday, May the 2nd, about 9.15 a.m. Central Time. For those that don't know, this is the podcast where I answer your Twitter questions to the best of my ability and have a nice collection today. I appreciate everybody who checked in and... uh sent me a question or comment. I always appreciate it. And uh, today is certainly one of those days because it's a slower time of year uh, in Hawkeye athletics, if there is a slow time of year now. Uh, Spring football, obviously, over. Uh, Big month for recruiting for Hawkeye football. Coaches out on the road this month. This is one of those open periods where coaches can go to the high school, high school's Warm weather states, most often it's warm weather states, Texas, Florida, um, have spring football there in those states, and uh, coaches go out and watch practices. Uh, even those schools that don't have it, uh, maybe upper Midwest schools, often have um, strength training uh, where coaches can go to the weight room and just kind of look in on guys and get a look, get their eyes on them, and, you know, the prospects can – you know, get face-to-face time with the coaches and vice versa. So it's important time for recruiting these next two months here, uh, the open period here where coaches are out on the road. And then next month, uh, the prospect camps on campus here in Iowa City where Iowa will bring in uh, high school prospects uh, from around the country to come in and uh, work out at camps a lot, you know, I say a lot, but a decent amount of offers go out. And then I think it's June 23rd this year is the big uh, official visit weekend for uh, prospects in the 2024 class. Uh, Obviously the, the, I think it's nine now that Iowa has verbal commitments in the 2024 class will be in, uh, and then some of the key targets they'll try to get on campus as well and just kind of get some networking going and hopefully add some more to the class. But plenty of uh, plenty of recruiting coming the next couple months here from a football standpoint and basketball. It's an open uh, evaluation period in May uh, for much of it and then again in July. So really important time now, even though there aren't any uh, competitions, live competitions with uh, the University of Iowa men's, women's basketball team, wrestling, uh, and football. Plenty of news on the recruiting front and what the future may look like for those programs. And uh, I know we have some questions on the, that uh, amongst the inquiries in my mentions on Twitter, but Let's jump in here. No better time than the present to jump right in here. Not Don't have a lot, as I said, going on uh, competition-wise. Iowa baseball this week uh, or this past weekend uh, split at Penn State, uh, one game each, and the final game was rained out. So um, Iowa comes into this week at eight and six in the conference, 31 and 11 overall. Most prognostications 
have the Hawkeyes in the NCAA tournament field, but there is work to be done. Uh, Iowa will play Illinois State this evening at home, 6.05 first pitch over at Banks Field. If you're interested in uh, getting over and getting a chance to watch the Hawkeyes play, weather's not too bad today here in Iowa City. It's Trivia Tuesday, and it's $2 Tuesday. So if you go over there, you get in for 2 bucks. Uh, and then a big weekend this weekend, Ohio State comes to town. Uh, will be actually the next, I believe the next two weekends, Iowa is home. Uh, last two home series, Ohio State this coming weekend, Friday, May 5th through Sunday, May 7th. And then the following Friday through Sunday is Michigan State coming to Iowa City. And obviously there will be a senior day on the Sunday game. Uh, so good chance for Iowa here to uh, move its way up in the Big Ten standings and solidify its resume for the postseason. So get out and check out the Hawks if you can. Uh, let's hop in here with some questions. This one is from April 26th, which was last week. Uh, and this is a good time to uh, uh, throw out the PSA that uh, anytime during the week, anytime between, you know, after I, I'm done recording this podcast uh, and then next Tuesday when I will, barring any unforeseen interruption, record next week's mailbag podcast you can use the hashtag hf mail anytime during the week uh that's hf mail hashtag hf mail anytime send me questions comments uh and i will read them on the and answer them on the following podcast i pick up where i left off the previous week and where i left off uh is drake timbers on april 26 which was the day i believe the day after i recorded the last podcast uh was there any was there a Hawkeye-related event that brought Connor McCaffrey sitting next to Caitlin Clark at the Timberwolves game? Ah, the question that everybody wants to know, right? The National Enquirer stories of Iowa athletics. Uh, coffee sip for this one. I've probably heard what a lot of you guys have heard, uh, the rumors out there that there could be a relationship there. Um, I don't know that. I'm not going to ask either one of them that. If it's something that is happening and they want to share, that's fine. Um, I know they did something together with the local food pantry here recently. Um, so maybe they just enjoy spending time together. Um, it could have been a Hawkeye-related event. Who knows? Uh, maybe they, they were invited there by somebody from Minneapolis together. I don't know. Um, it's spicy, right? If it was, if there's a relationship there between Connor McCaffrey and Kalen Clark, uh, people love that stuff. That's why there is the national Enquirer and star and, uh, whatever the internet versions of those tabloid, uh, rumor, uh, publications that were around at the checkout lines when I grew up. You know, like when aliens are attacking, about to attack New York City uh, and other really good uh, in-depth journalistic pieces that you find in the National Enquirer and Star and uh, even people to a certain degree. But, yes, I have heard the the rumors that Connor McCaffrey and Caitlin Clark are dating. I do not have any uh Source on that. I don't have any confirmation on that. I am certainly not going to ask either one of them about that. If they want to, if they are dating and want to share that, that's up to them. That's, uh, that's uh, out of my purview. That's out of my uh, coverage area, so to speak. So appreciate <laughs> Drake asking that hard hitting question. And, uh, I know I'm not making fun of you, Drake, because I know a lot of people are talking about that on the internet when they saw Caitlin and Connor together uh, at the Timberwolves game, but who knows? Um, who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe somebody will dig in deep and be able to report the story on that, but it won't be me unless it's dropped right in my lap. Uh, with bets to UCLA, uh, I'm sorry, this is Joaquin Taco at Senior M. Barbera on Twitter. With bets to UCLA and Van Lith to LSU and Morrow reportedly to South uh, South Carolina, I guess that is, or is that uh, USC? Either way, uh, will the story be one 
None of these stars want to share the spotlight with Caitlin Clark. Two, Bluter is too selective. Or three, that NIL wasn't strong enough. My guess is it's probably, there's a good chance it's more than one of those, Joaquin. Um, And, you know, you look at where these players are going. They're good programs. Um, You know, one is in Los Angeles. The other one is the na- defending national champion. Uh, there are there are so many reasons why they may not be here um, that it's hard to pinpoint. Uh, I'm sure there's speculation out there as to why. Um, I do think Lisa Bluter will be selective. Uh, she's very con- cognizant, conscious of uh, team chemistry and how she builds her teams and wants – you know, doesn't want any drama or, you know, disruption. And she has a pretty good core right now of players. And I don't know how they feel about the bigs that they have. You know, maybe they think O'Grady is going to take a big leap forward next year. Not that any of these kids that you mentioned, Betts and Lith and Morrow. Sorry, another coffee set. Um wouldn't be great additions to the Iowa women's basketball program. It's just, it takes two to tango and maybe some of it's NIL. Maybe some of it is not wanting to be the second option on an offense. Uh, even though we saw what that second, second option could do uh, in regards to uh, Monica Sinano and Megan Gustafson, who was the main uh, main option, obviously. So it's flipped a little bit, but um, I'm not sure Van Lith is a fit. Maybe, um, but she likes to possess the ball a lot, like Caitlin. I mean, it could take Caitlin off the bar- ball. I think they could complement each other. I certainly think it could work, but I'm not sure it could work. Obviously, the big is is the area that uh, Iowa is losing the production from with Monica Sinano leaving, but. Um, you know, it's, it's so hard to know and speculate as to why these kids chose other places. And if Iowa was ever in the picture for any of them, um, but whatever the case may be, I'm sure Iowa certainly inquired and made contact with kids in the transfer portal that it was interested in, uh, but probably for whatever reason, at least to this point, uh, didn't find the right fit. Didn't find the marriage between a player that is looking for a new home and the home itself, which is Iowa. It's got to be a fit. And a lot of times I think we forget uh, that these kids are leaving a place. They've been through the rec- high school recruiting process. Many of them very highly recruited a uh, lot of attention. So now the recruiting process is different for them. You mentioned NIL, uh, but there's also, you know, they know what they don't want now. When they're coming out of high school, they don't, I mean, they're told, they're, they're given, you know, they're told what they want to hear to get them to commit. Um, I'm not saying it's nefarious everywhere, but it's just part of the game, uh, you know, that, you want a kid, you want to put your best put, foot forward. Excuse me, allergies are killing me today. Um, so you show them everything that, that you think they want to see. And you tell them what they – you want to be honest too, but, um, you know, this time around, these kids are going to be much more selective in if they have that opportunity. If they're highly sought after, they're going to be more selective in what they choose and they have a better idea of what colleges have for them and what they want. So it's a really a different recruiting process. It's completely different. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know why, you know, some of the big names didn't end up visiting or, or being, uh, you know, visiting, were they targeted, things like that. Um, you know, I don't know why Iowa wouldn't want to add a dominant post player if it could all things being equal, the fit's good, all that stuff. But uh, that's uh, that's kind of my thought on that. looks like there's a couple more questions on that as well. Um, people are pissed <laughs> when, when their teams aren't getting players out of the portal. 
Drake Timbers, again, this is from April the 28th. Are COVID year Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall better than any, better than Anisha Morrow or Van Lith transfer? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you measure it. Uh, Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall are not as good as uh, Van Lith, uh, in my opinion. Uh, they're good players. They both, I mean, Gabby Marshall's a very good defender. Um, she got better with her shot as the season went on this year. She has strengths, as does Kate Martin. Defender, hard-nosed, uh, can hit an open shot. But Van Lith is like an All-American level player. So, you know, that's obviously, an, and that's not disrespectful to Kate or Gabby. She's just a better player. And if you added her, she makes your team better. Uh, Morrow, the same thing. I mean, those those are, you know, just different level. They're not – Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall are role players. Morrow and Van Lith are not role players, I guess is the best way to frame it. So, yes, they would be upgrades at Iowa. That's not to say that the chemistry would be as good or the product would be as good because Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall know how to play with Caitlin Clark. They know how to compliment Caitlin Clark already. They've done it now for whatever it is, two, three years. Um, so that, you know what you get with that. You don't know if you bring in a transfer, but that's part of this whole game. This whole, the whole uh, setup now is you need to put the pieces together, the best pieces together. I'm sure, you know, Kim Mulkey and LSU aren't like, oh, God, we we hope Haley Van Lith doesn't mess up our team chemistry. No, they're bringing her in thinking she's going to team with Angel Reese to make a you know an incredibly along with a lot of good players around them to make them you know one of the favorites to to win a national championship to go back to back. So it's all relative, and I know just when you look at it from the on the surface, who wouldn't? I mean, the question I've I've heard rhetorical question I've heard asked is who wouldn't want to play with Caitlin Clark? I'm sure there are players that are like, listen, I'm not going to go there and watch this kid. I mean, Caitlin Clark wins games. Caitlin Clark is a super talented player. She's one of the best players in the country, but not there aren't just because another player is really good. And um, you're saying to yourself, why wouldn't you want to play with Caitlin Clark? That person may have reasons. Maybe it's a guard that doesn't want to share the ball as much. Maybe it's a post player that wants to be the focal point of the offense. Maybe they don't want to come to Iowa City. Maybe they don't want to play in the Big Ten. Uh, you just don't know. There can be so many reasons for it. Yes, Iowa looks like an attractive location and landing spot for an Iowa women's basketball player, but it also returns three starters and other players that played last year. And again, when kids are leaving a program, it's because it's something at that program they did not like. And who knows, maybe they see a similarity at Iowa that um, to where they're leaving that they're worried about. Or maybe these kids have friendships with players on other teams and not Caitlin Clark or Gabby Marshall or Kate Martin or whoever. You know, maybe they have relationships with other players on other teams when they grow up. I mean, women's basketball isn't any different than men's basketball in that when they're coming up as high school players and youth players, they play AAU basketball with some of the better players in the country. Those, these are like all-star teams a lot of times, and they make relationships with those people. You know, Haley Van Lith and, and Caitlin Clark played together on a USA basketball team, won a gold medal. That doesn't mean they got along. Obviously, there was some, <laughs> I don't know, friction, I guess you would call it, during the NCAA tournament between the two. I don't know. Maybe it's a competitive thing. Um, I don't know. But how are you going to blame Haley Van Lith for going to LSU? I mean, they won the national championship. They've got one of the best post players in the country. It makes sense, you know. And I don't know what it would take for Iowa from an NIL perspective. And then you have to ask yourself from an NIL perspective, are we just getting this kid because we're giving her a bunch of money? Does she really want to be here? So it's tough. It's not the easiest um, 
road to navigate as a coach. It's new. NIL is new. The the explosion of the transfer portal is new. These are all things that these teams and these programs and these players have to figure out. And it's an ongoing process. And uh, I just, I guess it's me. And I know, you know, I'm not an Iowa fan. I cover Iowa again. I, I, I don't, I know people find this weird, but because I, because it seems like folks in the media are becoming more fans of the teams they cover than maybe when I started this. I'm getting kind of old, uh, 56 in next month. Wow, in about a month. But, um, you know, the, you you look at it and it, it, you try to figure out a way to build a roster and. Um, however the best way you can do that. And if you're a fan, you want to get players out of the transfer portal. You want to, you want to be wanted right as a program. And it's just not always the case. And I think, and I'll get to this more down the road here. Uh, sorry, I was looking ahead to another question, but I know I have more questions. A lot of transfer portal questions today and, and roster movement, which I get, it's kind of a slow time of year. So, People want to know uh, kind of what's going on roster-wise. Um, but that was my answer, the, the Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall. There's another one here from Drake Timbers on April 28th. Why is Iowa looking for a corner, corner back trend? Not a quarter, cornerback transfer. Is it the depth like UNI's Xavier Williams, or are they looking for a Nick Jackson-type plug-and-play starter? I think it's more the former Drake. Um, I think certainly you bring somebody in who you think can compete for a starting spot, knowing that you have one spot locked down, barring injury in Cooper DeGene, and then another spot probably um, with a leader firmly in the clubhouse of healthy in Jamari Harris. Uh, but then you need nickel backs. Um, you need depth at that position. And Iowa just does not have a lot of depth at that position right now. Um, you know, yeah, TJ Hall play a little bit last year. Um, I'll bring up my my uh too deep, but uh you know it's gonna be um you've got inexperience behind those guys, and then you've got guys like Brendan Dis Fernandez and AJ Lawson who haven't played yet that are a little bit older. I just think it's for um I was certainly um, absorbed injuries at that position in recent years. And I think it's, you want to add depth, but you also just don't want to bring a body in. Um, and a lot of it's just how this stuff uh, ends up unfolding, so to speak, um, you know, from a competitive standpoint, from an injury standpoint, Xavier Williams thought he could come in and compete for a job. That's why he came. He didn't leave UNI to be a backup special teams player. It worked out where he couldn't beat out the guys that were already on the roster. I don't think it's a Nick Jackson type situation, though, because Nick Jackson, you know, you lose your three starting linebackers. I know Jacobs was hurt and transferred, uh, but he came in the last year. Those were your three starting lineups with, Jacob or three starting linebackers with Jacobs, Campbell, and Benson, and they're all gone. So Nick Jackson just makes a ton of sense there. But you lose Riley Moss, um, you know, and you see if um, some of the – they went through the spring, obviously, and then reevaluated and said, hey, cornerback is probably a position – that we could use a little bit more depth at. I think that's kind of the way it went down. I don't think, I, I certainly think somebody could come in and maybe not, you know, win a starting job, but, you know, can you, what did they see from guys like Deshaun Lee and TJ Hall this spring? Are they ready in case Harris or Cooper DeGene, who got hurt against the Nebraska last year, and that was a big injury, you need depth at that position. Devin Hilson moved over for, from running back, but he's certainly not ready yet. So you hope Harris and Cooper uh, are your main starters with Lee and um, Hall as second-year sophomores able to, to uh, 
back those guys up and maybe get in a nickel and dime packages when Iowa does sub packages. But I think getting a veteran quarterback makes a whole lot of sense to me. And, uh, but yes, to answer your question, it's more, um, compete for a starting job and add depth than just you come on in, you're going to be a starter, like with Nick Jackson, unless something, you know, odd happens. So a little bit of a difference there. Let's take a break here. Uh, before we do that, I want to, uh, let you folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years for providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org. Systems Unlimited doing great work for over 50 years. Great work in uh, East Central Iowa. Appreciate their support of the podcast. Let's hear from a couple more sponsors, and I'll be back with you on the other side to pick up where we left off. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. Oriza Asian Cuisine and Bar is celebrating its fifth year anniversary. Enjoy Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, and Korean all combined into one menu. Visit 5 Sturgis Corner Drive next to Staples in Iowa City. Open 11 to 10 every day, 365 days a year, or visit online at arisaic.com. And we are back. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you to our sponsors, Apiragon at underscore Apiragon on Twitter. Women's basketball whiffing on all major transfer prospects, despite being national runner-up with national player year on the team. Men basketball only getting a Valpo transfer. Football unable to land anyone of note after high-profile quarterback and tight end transfers. Indications that Iowa is massively outgunned for NIL money? I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility that NIL is, you know, the, the elephant in the room here that you know, can't be overcome. But I think it's also selectivity by the Iowa coaches. All of them have this, you know, are very in tune with chemistry and culture of their programs. Kirk Ferentz said it during, you know, his final spring press conference that we had after the open spring practice when asked about the transfer portal for wide receivers and defensive backs. They don't want to just bring somebody in. Um, They want to make sure that it's a good fit from a uh, team chemistry standpoint as well as somebody. And that makes it a little bit more difficult. I think you have some programs that are just like, yeah, kid can play, bring him in. And if he doesn't work out from a chemistry standpoint, from a culture standpoint, you just move on and you keep churning through. I don't think we're going to see that here. Iowa. Men's and women's basketball and football are very deliberate in who they're going to pursue in the transfer portal. And, you know, I don't know, quite know where that ends up, but they targeted the guys they wanted in the earlier period. And I would argue that, yeah. Um, they got a high-profile quarterback and tight end, but they also got a pretty good receiver that other Power Fives wanted. Uh, they got a pretty good um, offensive lineman, a couple of good offensive linemen in the transfer portal. I think Iowa. Did, I think you're underselling how Iowa football did. Um, Iowa basketball, I think NIL is more of a problem there than it is with football. Um, I'm not as... Um, connected with the Iowa Iowa women's basketball NIL. I hear that they're doing well in terms of having support there, but I don't know. I think I think NIL is always something that is a consideration in these cases, but I also think that it's that it the when you combine that with the selectivity of the coaches, I think that's what's going to make it where Iowa's not going to be a huge player in the transfer portal um, in any of those programs. Maybe I, I'm totally off base on that and, you know, they just kick in and, and go. But, you know, the Iowa men's basketball program has tried the last – over the last year since, you know, 
since last year missing out on big guys because of the NIL. I think it was more prevalent back then, um, but it's still an issue now. And we've seen the rub between uh, the uh, Swarm Collective and the athletic department. Uh, we've seen uh, promotional ads by Lisa Bluter and Fran McCaffrey and Kirk Ferentz trying to drum up support for the Swarm Collective. Uh, they know the importance there. Coffee sip, I think. But it's it's more, I think, of a combination of those things. Um, and I think Iowa men did pretty well with getting Crick in the spiritual uh, portal from Valpo. Guy led the big, you know, led the Valley in scoring. It's not as good as a league as it's been, but it's a nice addition. I think Iowa's still going to – all of the Iowa programs are going to rely heavily on high school recruiting and player development. I don't think that's going to change. I think the portal becomes more supplemental. Um, and if you can add – like if you really need a quarterback, you go out and you get a quarterback. Iowa felt like it really needed a quarterback, and it went, went out and got Cade McNamara. You know, you'd like to be able to do that in the other sports, but it's not necessarily um, – I think it's it, – there's a lot of – I don't know. It's hard to explain, but there's a lot going on. It's more than just, you know, not paying a player enough money. I, that's a factor. It can be a factor, but it's not always the deciding factor. Can be, not always. Um, as I said earlier, these kids that are now in the transfer portal have already gone through the high school recruiting process and found out everything they were told in the recruiting process coming out of high school is not actually the way it is. Then they went to college and experienced it and found out what they really wanted. And now they know. And when they go into the portal, it's more than just money. It's I need to I want to be somewhere where I'm happy. Um, and I think sometimes that gets undersold. Uh, a Paragon, again, at a uh, at underscore Paragon, two years into NIL era, and it already seems like associating what are essentially pro sports leagues, but for 18 to 22-year-olds with colleges is an anachronism. Any thoughts on if and when revenue college sports might break away from colleges and what this might look like? I don't think the colleges want that. I, I think, you know, you want to have, I mean, you look uh, – and I see this probably during the NCAA tournament. There was a, maybe it was on the Big Ten Network, but there was a University of Iowa ad, not for the athletic department, but for the whole university. And Caitlin Clark was prominently featured in that. So they're trying to, you know, improve enrollment through an advertisement for the university. And they're using one of the faces of the athletic department, if not the face of the athletic department in Caitlin Clark, to try to, increase enrollment, try to get kids to come to the University of Iowa. That's how they see the sports programs. It's a way to draw people into the school. And so if you did away with that, you know, and there was, you know, whatever, you you semi-pro or however you want to define it for men's and women's basketball and football, and they're no longer the University of Iowa men's basketball team or football team. They are whatever, the Iowa City come up with some mascot name. It's not the same. So I think the colleges are going to protect this. It's just a matter of how they get themselves out of this corner that they painted themselves in, they being the NCAA, by screwing up revenue sharing with student-athletes. Now, we could see student-athletes being employees, uh, and then I'm not sure what that looks like, uh, other than them having to pay more taxes, probably. Um, but there's just an obscene amount of money right now in college athletics to the point where, you know, the head football coach at Iowa makes $7 million a year. And nobody bats an eye at that. And now you're going to say, well, the players are greedy. They're getting a scholarship. This is not, you know, the 70s or 80s where – would Hayden make Hayden's high Hayden. I don't even think Hayden made a million dollars a year. Maybe he did at the end, but for the most part, he was more common man 
as much as Hayden Fry could be common man in terms of the salary he made compared to, you know, you know, other people that, you know, the state employees, things like that. I mean, obviously he was making a lot of money, but not percentage wise where, you know, Kirk Ferentz and Nick Saban and, uh, you know, go down the list, uh, Kirby Smart, what these guys are making now and what athletic directors are making and what these colleges look like, what these, you know, uh, what they're building in terms of facilities and things like that. I mean, I just don't see how they thought they would not have to give more of that pie to student athletes. And they fought it all the way to the end to now where there's very little regulation. They're going to need to figure out a way now to work with student athletes to try to work something out here. I don't know if you get a union or some type of representation for the student athletes. Maybe it's by sport. I don't know how you do it, um, but there needs to be more of, a, you know, putting letting the student athletes have a seat, seat at the table. And maybe you get people like Jordan Bohannon, people that have lived through this and were proponents of NIL uh, for the right reasons, quote unquote, um, I, I think that gets a little bit overblown that, you know, hey, the NIL was for advertising purposes and selling name, image, and likeness. Yeah. And sco- so schools don't want to have to take anything out of their pocket. They want to let the student athletes be able to earn by working for a car dealership, which is fine. And that should be included. But you don't get to keep all the money that they're helping you playing a large role in you making. And that's kind of where things are at with that. and. We'll see where it goes, but I don't see them breaking off Paragon. I think the identity of those there's too much in it for the 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 NCAA, the programs, and for the universities to work something out to try to figure out a structure that works for everybody. Uh, Drake Timbers is back, and this one's from April the 30th. Does Iowa win the Big Ten if DeGene moves to wide receiver? Which situation is worse? TJ Hall starting at cornerback and Castro at Cash or Iowa's wide receiver room without DeGene? Um, I don't know what Cooper DeGene looks like as a wide receiver. I would think he's pretty good with his skill set, but has he played it? I mean, I, it's... You can't just you can't just throw a guy out there and say, okay, play this position. When he's been, you know, a safety cash corner quarterback in high school, I mean, maybe you make him an H back or something, or you know, a running back that you can throw to out of the backfield. Wide receiver, there is some skill involved in route running and playing the position and blocking and all that other stuff. I'm not saying Cooper couldn't, you know, be on a crash course and figure that out. But I also don't think you want to weaken your one of your strengths on the, at cornerback either. Um, so I would say I don't. I mean, T.J. Hall had a rough initiation. Nebraska and Trey Palmer picked on him right away when Cooper went out in that game, and those things happen. We've seen that happen um, to cornerbacks previously at Iowa. Um, I'm thinking Purdue games where it happens. Uh, Julian Julius Brents got tore up by David Bell, was benched, didn't win his starting job back at Iowa, transferred to Kansas State, and was a second round pick. So I'm not ready to to bury T.J. Hall yet, or Deshaun Lee, or Brandon Dis Fernandez, or Diaz Fernandez, or um, A.J. Lawson. I'm not sure. You know, from a backup cornerback standpoint, Iowa is strong enough to move Cooper DeGene, and I don't know why you would want to, really. I mean, he locks down a side of the field. Iowa needs to keep its defense strong because I don't think you can just throw darts on the offense and hope it gets better. There's too many moving parts there. You add Cooper in there. I don't think you want to do that to the kid. That's just my my personal opinion on that. Uh, 44 M less at 44 M less on Twitter. Hi, Rob. Out of all the Hawkeyes that were drafted or signed as undrafted free agents this year, which one of those do you think might surprise everyone and have a better career in the NFL than what experts 
or we might expect. So uh, I think where Jack Campbell was picked surprised some folks. What was he, 18 to Detroit? I can't remember. I know he was before 20. Um, But I think when you're that high of a draft pick, he and Van Ness, um, I think you're expected to produce. And even Laporta at 34, those guys, if you're picked in the top 50 of the NFL draft, you're expected to produce not only over time, but pretty much right away. So I think the bar is set pretty high for all of those guys. Uh, Riley Moss in Denver uh, is certainly somebody uh, that I think could have gone higher, but could have gone lower. So um, I think the expectations for him are probably on point. I think you look after that and, you know, I think somebody like Kayvon Merriweather could be that guy. Uh, you know, there were um, mocks that had him, you know, fourth, fifth round. He goes undrafted to Tampa, uh, which has had a really good defense. He goes down there. He's got, you know, Tristan Wirfs and Anthony Nelson to welcome him down there and kind of get him acclimated. He would be my guy, and I would also probably throw Seth Benson in there. Um Seth is not, um, what would you say? He doesn't have the prototypical linebacker size for the NFL. Shit, he didn't have it for the for college football. But the dude was ultra productive and knows how to play the game. Uh, and I would not be surprised at all to see him uh, um, stick. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Christian Welch. Different body type, different, you know, different players. Uh, but guys that were productive in college, really good athletes that can help on special teams, be good teammates. Uh, same with Kayvon. Um, help you in more than one way and then kind of get themselves, you know, cemented into um, the franchise that they're going to and then from there kind of take off. But I, I would say Merriweather and Benson for me, 44. I think those are um, two of the guys that have a chance to potentially surprise. Um, and then I wouldn't be surprised at all if the guys that were drafted are productive and worthy of where they were chosen. Um, I think it's a good group, no doubt. Um we got another one from 44M less, and then we'll take our last break. Uh, if you were to give the best undrafted Hawkeye ever award, meaning they had to achieve success at the NFL, who would you give it to and why? Ah, who was undrafted? I'm trying to think here. That's a good question. Um, undrafted free agents for Iowa. It's not, it's not often that that happens, 44. Uh, let me look at see just currently. Uh, Iowa Hawkeyes in how's that for research on my part? Uh, players by college. See if there are any there now that I would put in that category. Um, Ike Betker, Butker. I mean, he's stuck pretty well with Buffalo. He'd probably be in that discussion. Um. Was Carl Davis drafted? I don't remember. Um, James Ferentz has hung around for quite a long time. Uh, Tyler Goodson's with Green Bay. Time will tell. Uh, yeah, most of these guys were drafted. Alaric Jackson could be that guy. Um, but, yeah, there aren't a lot of undrafted guys. Casey Kreider, long snapper. Uh, he's been around for quite a while. Uh, Matt Nelson with the Lions. Uh, ben and Nick Neiman. Uh, not a whole lot else. Most of these guys have all been draft picked, but Christian Welch is one that comes to mind. Um, 44. He's, he's been now, what, three, three years in the league, uh, as an undrafted free agent. Um, that's pretty good. Um, there aren't a lot of stars that come out as undrafted free agents, uh, but guys that can hang in the league and produce, uh, Ike Betker, Ike Butker, and um, who was the other guy I mentioned? Casey Kreider. Uh, those would be two, and then probably Christian Welch. Those would be three names for you, at least from recent 
Hawkeye Vintage. All right, let's take a last break here, and we'll come back and wrap up. I think I've got four or five more here. We'll be back on the other side. Hang in there. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you guys for hanging in there with me. Jared Aarons at 10 News Aarons. Jared used to work here in the area. I've been around a long time, so uh, I can't remember when Jared left the area, but he is out in San Diego now enjoying much better weather than we are here in Iowa City. But he worked uh, uh, Channel 2 in Cedar Rapids and – Fox 28, Cedar Rapids, same company there. But Jared is now a morning anchor and reporter for ABC out in San Diego. So good to see him. And he's checking in with a question here. What did you think of Doja Cat and Jared Leto's outfits at the Met Gala? See, now I saw this stuff kind of, what do I want to say? Floated across my timeline on Twitter as I was kind of, drifting through there last night and kind of seeing what was going on after the day and not to be on Twitter as much anymore these days. And I try to just catch up at night or different points during the day. Uh, I don't know who Doja Cat is. Uh, I know who Jared Leto is. He played Prefontaine uh, in that, in, <laughs> in a movie. I know him from that. Uh, and I don't, I, I've, again, I've heard of what the Met Gala is. I know people get dressed up and are fancy and stuff like that. I'm going to have to research that. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll do it now. I'm going to, I am going, let's see, Doja Cat. Let's see if I can see a picture from the Met Gala. Whoa. It, she looks like a cat. And Jared Leto's dressed up as a cat too. So, if I've got this right, Doja Cat and Jared Leto both dressed up as cats. I'm cool with that. I don't mind cats. Um, very interesting um, outfit selection there from those guys. Um, good luck to them with that. But once I guess once you make it in Hollywood, it really doesn't matter what you wear. So um, I guess the more out there, the better. The more crazy, the better. Um, for uh, outfits at those types of things, uh, all the award shows and things like that. But uh, I guess in answer, in wrap up and answering to your question, Jared, I didn't think a lot of them because I didn't pay much attention, but I appreciate the levity. And which Hawkeye football player would wear the best outfit if they were all invited? Two names, current players and all players in the Kirk Ferentz era. Kirk Ferentz era, I'm going with Joe Von Johnson, my dude from our podcast, uh, showed up once back, whatever it was, 2002, 2003, in a full red on outfit, red shoes, red, red suit. Came to the post game. These guys used to dress up for post game and, uh, was fun. It was the old, the old, when the locker room used to be in the northeast corner of the stadium back then when Jovan played, but, uh, definitely a hip outfit. I would probably put DJK in there as well. Uh, also a very creative, hip, stylish dresser. Current players, um, I'm trying to think. There, I'm not. I'm not thinking of anybody who's really stylish now in this group. Um, I don't have one from current because it's weird. Now we don't. We only see them like. Uh, 
we, they never, they don't like, they used to dress up for us, not for us, but they dress up after games. It was kind of an old school thing where you'd, you know, you, before you went to the post game, you'd kind of get dressed up in your regular clothes. Now guys come to post game, like with their pads on still sometimes, uh, or at least still with their uniforms on uh, in the post game now. So I don't really see what they wear much these days. Um, so I don't really know. Um I haven't seen a lot of style out of these guys. I'll have to investigate that, though, Jared. I'll ask somebody next time. I'll ask uh, when we have player availability, I think, in June, I'll ask somebody who is the best dressed on the team and see what type of answers I get. That's a summer project. Uh, All right, Clint Harms. There's a lot of bad offense out there in college football. A lot of wide receivers see that as an opportunity to help turn it around. Having said that, is there a difference between a bad offense versus the running joke of an offense nationally? Does this keep wide receivers from coming here? I want it's a really good question. And Clint Harms is at until game on Twitter. It's a really good question, Clint. You do a good job of answering or asking uh well thought out questions. Everybody does, but I wanted to especially single you out for your thought provoking questions. I thought about this too. It doesn't help, you know, and it's it it happens like during you know the bowl season. It was ha- it was happening during the season last year. Then it was happening during the postseason. Then it happens during the NFL draft, where people are talking about the inept play of the Iowa offense. It is out there, and it's become a narrative. And it does it is a hurdle. It, it's hard to overcome that, but. You have to sell opportunity, and you have to sell change. We have a new quarterback. Um, you know, we have a chance here to um, make a difference with this group, um, and you can be a part of that. That's really what you have to sell, right? Uh, otherwise, you can't sell what you can't put on ta- tape and say, "Hey, look, look at what you're your joint." No, you're going to be part of the solution here. And that's really what you have to sell. And you just need one or two guys to buy it. Seth Anderson bought it. Now he's coming from an FCS program. Um, but you should, there's enough talent out there, Clint, that Iowa should be able to identify some of it, have to identify what level they can approach. Like you're probably not going to get a, a high ranking, you know, Power five wide receiver, you're probably going to have to go down Mac level below that FCS level. And there are a lot of good players at those levels. So you just have to identify the right guys and then find the right fits. And there are plenty of players out there to make that happen, but you are overcoming having to overcome a really tired narrative that, and you know, it's, you can't say it's really unfair. Iowa has to change the narrative, and that's kind of the rub in the catch-22 is how do you change that narrative? You have to have players to change that narrative. How do you get the players when your narrative is that your offense sucks? It's tough to do, but Iowa has to find a way to do it. AP Hawkeye at Andy Paul Rules 1. Hi, Rob. With the recent success Iowa's had in the NFL draft, and since you have your ear to the ground on the recruiting trail, how many recruits have you spoken to in the last few years, who have cited this success as a reason they chose to come to Iowa? It's a good question, Andy, and it goes back more than a couple of years. It goes back now for quite a while since Iowa's kind of established itself as a program that does well in producing NFL players. Um, and it's one of the, you know, if I just make it an open-ended, you know, what do you like about Iowa? I often get that unsolicited. They put guys in the pros, and it is attractive, you know, Opposite of the offense sucks narrative, there's a narrative that Iowa produces NFL players. That's the good thing that you can sell and the stability in the coaching staff, things like that. Uh, but I hear it quite a bit, whether solicited or not, um, especially when you talk about guys at positions like offensive line and tight end and defensive back um, positions where Iowa puts a lot of guys, most of their guys in the NFL, I would say, um, those positions get even a little bit more attention from recruits in terms of, you know, being able to um, attract prospects. But yeah, that's a huge bonus for Iowa. And 
what it did this weekend in the NFL draft, two first round picks, three guys in the top 34. Um, that's great advertisement. You can't pay for that. You know, uh, uh, you know, if you're looking to, to buy an ad to promote your program, that is uh, invaluable when you put guys in the pros. So appreciate that. I'm kind of going through these a little quickly here. I've got to get my kid to, uh, to school. Um, Justin Borman at Borman underscore Justin. What happens first? Iowa men's basketball makes the Sweet 16 or I- Iowa football wins a Big Ten title? Well, if Iowa football is going to win a Big Ten title, it may be this year, may have to be this year. Favorable schedule. Western, you know, they're still in divisions. Once it once the divisions go away, it's going to be really hard to, to win a Big Ten championship. Um, I think it can happen, but you're really going to have to catch breaks even more now. Whereas you win the West division now, you get a one game shot in the, you know, in Indianapolis to win a Big Ten title. And Iowa almost got it in 2015. Uh, not so good in, uh, 21, but, um, that's really your chance. Once it goes to you having to top Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, Wisconsin down the line, um, then it becomes that much harder. You have to be top two. How many years are you going to beat out Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State? How many times are teams other than those three, USC coming in another hurdle for Iowa? So I'm going to say the Sweet 16. Um, you just need a break or two in that, which Iowa hasn't gotten. Um, but I think that you get in the NCAA tournament, there's more of a chance of upsets, I think, uh, than you get when you're playing blue blood programs in your own conference. Uh, Dean Freen will wrap us up, and he's at Freen Dean. Things have been quiet on football and basketball recruiting fronts. Any news who these teams are pursuing in the portal? Um. Let's see here, Dean. They are, they've got, and this was reported by Sean Bach from 247 Sports. Um, They're getting a visit, I believe, from Antonio Carter. He is a cornerback out of Rhode Island. Uh, He is getting a lot of attention. And this is the kind of, this is the kind of example of what you're dealing with in the transfer portal. This is a guy who played at Rhode Island, an FCS program, a cornerback. I'm going to give you some schools that have offered him uh, since he got in the portal. And he's visited He visited Ole Miss and Wisconsin already. Um, and he's also, I'm trying to look here, he's been offered by them, Washington, um, Indiana, Oregon State, Georgia Tech, Texas A&M, Minnesota, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Louisville, Baylor, Kentucky, um, Virginia. That's a guy who's a redshirt junior from Florida coming out of Rhode Island. Those are the offers he's getting. So that gives you an idea, um, not only the NIL, but that it is a seller's market, meaning the guys that are in the transfer portal are the guys that have the power. They have the upper hand here. Schools, there aren't enough guys for these schools, at least the the, the higher level guys, which he's considered. But Iowa's going to get a chance to get him on campus. It's a position where Iowa's had success at. We talked about putting guys in the NFL. He's a guy that can do that. Wide receivers, I haven't heard a lot about. Um, but again, I think it's important, Dean and others, and, and for myself, um, to um, remember this, the transfer portal closed April 30th, meaning guys cannot, guys and gals cannot go into the portal, but the folks that are already in the portal can still be recruited now. Obviously, Antonio Carter is going to visit here, um, according to Sean Bach from 247. Um, and that's this process is now. Coaches know who's in the portal. Now they can pick and choose. So I think we're still a little bit early in this process, just in terms of um, identifying, bringing in for visits, things like that. I think we're going to hear more here in in the coming weeks. And then also it makes it a little difficult with coaches out on the road recruiting high school kids. So, But they can also stop in at, you know, and, and meet with these other kids as well. Uh, that are in the transfer portal. So I think we're going to hear a lot in May. Uh, offers are going now out now to high school kids as coaches go on the road. Um, so, you know, in the 24, 25, 26 classes, 
uh, mostly. So keep an eye on that. But not a lot from women's and men's basketball. Haven't heard a lot of uh, uh, Evan Bruns. He's a transfer from Belmont, went to Iowa City Regina, then Iowa City West. Uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on to possibly um, – He's kind of a power forward, Philip Robracha type. Uh, he's a guy, to, a name that, to keep an eye on for Iowa men's basketball that can end up joining the team. He's friends with Patrick McCaffrey. Um, they played together at Iowa City West, so that's a name to keep an eye on. But other than that, it's kind of a daily thing that I kind of just look through and try to research a little bit each day to see what Iowa is after. And all the programs, and you're going to see this a lot with Iowa, they're going to – uh, be really selective, and they're probably going to be covert in the operations. They don't want to tip off other schools to who they're pursuing. It's kind of a cat and mouse game. So that is that. And that's all I got for today, folks. I need to get going here so I can get my son to school. He's a senior. He's got a little senioritis, but uh, going to get him there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much for your questions. Thank you to the sponsors. We really appreciate it. I will be back on Thursday, May the 4th, 9 a.m. We'll do the live uh, Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. You can catch us on YouTube for that. Um, but until then, have a good rest of your week. Peace.